Welcome to the Life-Changing Fitness Podcast. All we do is change lives. What up guys, Dan Wheeler here. I hope you are all well. So, this is episode 7 of the Life-Changing Fitness Podcast. And what we're going to do is we're going to delve into some uh, Facebook questions, which I put up a post uh, earlier last week, uh, late last week even, and I'm just going to go through them. There's a few good questions here, um, a few uh, not so good, so we'll try and pick up on the, on, on the good stuff without insulting all my followers. <laughs> I won't name them. Um, and, uh, and and go from there, really. Uh, there's not much of a theme to this one, it's really just a question and answers, um, and, and go from there. Um, I need to stop saying um. I've noticed this. I've been reading a load of... Um, obviously, I've got my, uh, my seminar coming up uh, next week. And uh, uh, reading about how you can best present yourself over a podcast. You know, presentation skills and that sort of confidence and all that type of stuff. And uh, one of the things that they try and uh, try and get you to reduce is the ums and the errs and the... Um, uh, and I know this as well, listening to back a few back of my podcasts, because I have to listen to them back, not just because I like the sound of my voice, uh, but because I have to make sure, you know, they're edited correctly. And uh, I did it again. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> this is crazy. And one thing I noticed is I, 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 I'm clicking my lips together like that. So I'm going to try and get rid of that as well. Oh, the joys, the joys of trying to do stuff for free. You become very self-critical. <laughs> Drive yourself crazy. So, uh, 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 let's let's move on to question number one, which is from Joe Fluin. Uh, she simply put, training after C-section with a kiss. Thanks, Joe. Kiss back. Um, so, training after C—it's a it's a good question. Uh, I'm going to be completely honest, Joe. It's not something I have a huge amount of experience in. Um, I haven't. Um, I've got a few clients who uh, I coach online uh, through nutrition to help remove uh, some uh, post-baby um, uh, body fat, uh, but um, I don't train them one-to-one specifically. And uh, they're all um, they've all had their babies a few years ago, so there, there's no no issue on training due to the scar. So I would I would highly recommend you consult your GP or your doctor, uh, maternity wife maybe even. Um, and ask them when the, the the best time to go back to training. Obviously, with any um, huge um, trauma to the body, particularly with a scar of that size, um, then it's it, it's worth obviously investing in in rest time. Don't do anything crazy. Uh, a friend of mine tore his pectoral and had to have an operation when they cut him open um, to stitch his, his muscle back to his um, uh, ligaments, and uh, and that took him a good. Oh, blimey, I think it was, he was good out of actual for a good three months. So it's um, uh, I I've, I would ask the doctor. That would be my advice. Um, Lee Howell, um, Lee, that's an awesome question. I'm gonna come back to that one. Um, in fact, no, I won't. Let's answer it now. Sugar versus fat. I'm assuming Lee's referring to you know the negative connotations uh, regarding the two, and the issue that we have with society, aren't aren't isn't sugar by itself and it isn't fat by itself. You know, to some extent, the majority of people, there is no harm in eating sugar per se. It's a simple carbohydrate. The body will metabolize, uh, the body will absorb it, the digest it, absorb it. And assuming um, hormonally things are up to scratch, uh, as in insulin is working correctly, 
then it will just get shuffled into a muscle cell and will use it as energy. Now there will obviously be a, an increase in blood sugar at some point and they'll also then follow on a, a, a sugar crash depending on the rest of our diet and depending on whether we actually use that immediate energy source. Um, so as long you know, we have to cater for that as well, but that's not not the end of the world. Although there are there are some issues with that. So sugar by itself isn't isn't terrible. It's not. It doesn't. It gets a huge bad rep. Rap. And then we have fats. Now obviously you should all know my standpoint on fats. Uh, fats are really good for us. Uh, in fact, there isn't such thing as a bad fat except for trans fats. So trans fats is is the um, it, uh, trans fats is a non-digestible fat. Um, it's um, created through the uh, mass production uh, processing of, um, of food, um, which changes, I believe, it changes the uh, molecular structure of fat, um, and therefore it changes it to a, a a fat that we can't digest, we can't absorb, and therefore it literally, once it enters the blood system, it literally just float, floats around because we can't do anything with it. And therefore, it then will find a space to sit in, whether it be an artery, a capillary, blood vessel of some kind, and uh, and then it will sit there. And then over time, you know, we get a build-up of lots of these trans fats particles uh, floating around, and they, they form plugs and blockages. And that's when we get, you know, serious health issues like heart attacks and stuff. So, uh, so trans fats are the only bad fats. They're not only are they bad, they kill us. So they are they are that serious. Um, it's you know I would put them up there with as bad as smoking. Um, they are they are really that bad, and they should be removed from everyone's diets. And we we need better education on what trans fats do to uh, people's bodies, and the long term effects. However, fats by itself, you know, saturated fats, polos, monos. Um, uh, amigas, you know, they're, they're, they're absolutely fine. Um, in fact, they, they do some great benefits to our body. And again, a general rule of thumb being, if it's naturally occurring in our wildlife, if it grows from the ground or if it eats something, if something eats what grows from the ground, then usually we can eat it. Um, unless it's a poisonous plant or something, um, there, there's, there's nothing that springs to mind which, you know, if it's naturally occurring that we can't eat. Um, and uh, and therefore, this notion that we label foods as unhealthy or bad for us is just madness, absolute madness. Um, we we people have to remember that we're we're animals. We're part of this uh, ecosystem. We're part of this um, evolution of the world. Um, we've survived because we've eaten all these. Um, all, all these uh, animals and plants and nuts and we've foraged for food and we've hunted we've got this far through the hundreds of thousands of years of evolution on eating these the, the, these these objects the, these plants these foods and uh, so the notion that we can't eat beef because it's bad for us or we can't eat high protein because it damages our kidney or we can't eat nuts because they're too fatty for us or it's just so far bollocks it's beyond belief and uh, and this is where the education comes in so um you know in super high quantities of either fats or sugars there are going to be health if, if we go to an extreme of anything there's going to be a health issue you can eat too much veg you know you you could be binging on veg all day long and you're going to get some health issues um even though veg i will say to all my clients you can't eat enough of because 
I know they're not going to consume kilos in a day. But, you know, you know, veg is really, really great for us. It's really healthy, provides loads of vitamins and minerals, and it's great. If we don't eat enough of it, we get health issues. If we eat vast, vast, extreme amounts of it, then we get health issues. If we sit in the middle, thumbs up, everyone's a winner. But it's finding where that middle is, and it's the same with sugars, it's the same with fats. The big issue we have, Lee, is the big issue and is when you combine the two. So when you combine sugars and fats together, let's take a chocolate bar as an example. Um, actually, let's use a Krispy Kreme donut. They're high fat, high sugar. When you combine the two, you get this, you get this recipe for um, it's a nutritional fuck bomb. I call a few things that I don't really say it in public. Um, it's a nutritional fuck bomb, and what that is is. It's a combination of foods which cause just a nightmare for our bodies to consume. So, and this is where the notion of clean versus dirty or clean foods versus non-clean foods comes into account. So if you take a donut, take a Krispy Kreme donut, it's filled with custard or chocolate, got a nice chocolate coating on it, a bit of sugar icing, whatever it may be. It tastes epic, doesn't it? It tastes awesome. It's packed full of fats, quite good fats, you know, not bad fats, you know. Um, it may have some trans fats in it actually, Krispy Kreme, I'd have to do some research, but um, um, uh, but let's just assume it doesn't, let's just say it's a normal donut, let's say it's a homemade donut, good fats, um, it does contain sugar, quite high amounts of sugar, um, and the size of the donut versus the caloric intake you'll get from that is massive, okay? So you could be looking at a Krispy Kreme donut, which is going to be upwards of five, six hundred calories uh, of carbohydrates and fats. Now we consume that, and it doesn't fill us up, but we get this dense fat intake, we get this dense sugar intake, and then we've got to then analyse the knock-on effect of that. We then get this rise in blood sugar because of the the sugars. Um, we then get the caloric intake of the fats. You know they're really, really dense. They're high fat. It shoots up the quick calories. You know fats aren't bad for us. Fats are really great, but they are calorie dense, so they do, we do need to watch them to some extent, and uh, and therefore your your scale, if you like, of eating something to satisfy you for the calories that you get is minimal. I mean, I could quite easily eat three or four donuts before I get full, maybe even five, and then by that point, you know, two and a half thousand calories in, I've got reached the point where I'm satisfied temporarily. You know, and then we're going to get this sugar issue. We're going to get the calorie dense issue, and therefore, within about an hour or two, I'm going to feel hungry again because there's not much nutrition. There's not much nutrition in it. Now, this is this is the problem we have is where we combine fats and sugars together. We get empty carbohydrates because there's not much fiber. There's not much micronutrients, minerals, and minerals and vitamins in a donut. Realistically, um, there might be a little bit of fiber, but not much. And then we've got the fats. Now, they're not going to be the best fat ratio, but like I said, fats aren't terribly bad for us. Well, they're not bad for us, but they are calorie dense. So you take a handful of nuts, you know, a handful of nuts, you could be looking at upwards of 150 calories, maybe even 200 calories. So they're calorie dense, but they are great. They are nice, but they're not going to fill us up. You know, you wouldn't eat a meal of nuts because it wouldn't fill you up by the time you get past a caloric um, standpoint. So the issue isn't sugars on its own or fats on its own. The issue is when we combine them as a nation. And so we take pizzas traditionally. You know, pizzas are hugely calorific. Um, and you know, again, I could I could quite happily get through a a, a large 
a large pizza by myself without any problems. Um, but then I've got to take into account that I've just eaten, you know, 4,000 calories, three and a half, four thousand 4,000 calories. Did I really utilise those calories to the best of my ability, you know? There's not much fruit or veg in a, in a, in a pizza. The proteins aren't going to be the best. It can be mass-produced protein. Um, very little, uh, very poor uh, amino profile. The cut is going to be very carbohydrate dense because of the, uh, the, the pizza base. And it's going to be tra uh, packed full of fats as well. So the 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 offset of calories versus um, satiety, you know, uh, feeling feeling full up is 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 poor. So this is this is the issue. Um, good question, Lee. I hope, I hope that's answered it, and I haven't rambled on too much. Confused about which diet is right for you? Let us take all the stress away and design you a fully bespoke, life-changing plan. All we do is change lives. DanielWheeler.co.uk uh, Joanne Shaw Consistency slash motivation slash goal setting How you keep the positive mindset to achieve your goal Great question Joe Great great question um, And it's a, it's a very difficult question to answer to be honest Because motivation is very user specific um, We draw motivation from different sources My, mo my sources of motivation have changed drastically over the years um, And uh, uh, and do, do you know what I, uh, I went through a time where I struggled immensely once I achieved my fat loss once I got down to 92 kilos from 146 um, I was then kind of, not rewarded but I, I then you know was very humbled to be asked by men's fitness to feature in their magazine uh, I got like an eight nine page feature in there and I featured on the front cover you know it was awesome it was an amazing kind of motivational boost at the time um, I worked so hard to achieve this physique well, certainly, I, I worked so hard to um, lose all this body fat, and uh, and and then to get that magazine cover as an extrinsic form of motivation, external form of motivation. It was, it was awesome. I felt great. But then a few days after that, I was a little bit lost, because for two years I was working on this goal, this the goal to lose, you know, as much body fat to to achieve a body I was happy with at the time. And once I did, did it, I was like, "What's next?" And it took me about it took me about six months to kind of get my head around that and go, "What am I going to do now?" And uh, I, I didn't know. And uh, it was it was a, it was a, it was a difficult time because my body weight fluctuated a little bit uh, because my kind of my my my, my mindset was um, temporarily. Um, shifted i didn't know because i didn't know what my next goal was going to be and there was nothing at the time i was thinking what do i want to do and there was nothing really i wanted to do i'd achieved this huge milestone um and then i couldn't think of anything that was going to top that and it took me a while because i'm very much a, a guy that likes to aim high so if there's something which is deemed to be unachievable i want to go and achieve it and uh, i couldn't find this next unachievable task you know i i kind of thrive off the fact that people doubt me to some extent when i do something you know when i when i first told my flatmate i was going to lose all this weight he kind of looked at me and he laughed and he said there's no way you're going to get uh, i i we, we were um looking at a cover um and uh, it was greg plitt and i mentioned this a few times before you know it was this this um symbolic front cover magazine with greg plitt on the front and that was that was the kickstart of my my journey was that's wrong. It was the kickstart of my motivation for my journey, and uh, 
and at the time I turned to him and I said, you know, I'm going to get on this front cover. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to look like him one day. And he laughed. He laughed so hard he actually had to sit down. And uh, and that was that was it. That was kind of like the, the closing of the door, the locking of the of, of the door. Because I was like, right, I'm going to prove him wrong. I'm, not only am I going to prove myself wrong, because I did kind of doubt myself a little bit. I thought I was looking up at this Mount Everest, thinking, Jesus Christ, how am I going to climb this? And not only was I looking up at the time, I was looking up at the time at Mount Everest going, I haven't even got any Sherpas, I've got no one to help me, <laughs> I've got all this luggage, no one to carry out for me, for me, and I don't even know how to climb the mountain. And uh, and, and uh, as I've spoken before, you know, it took me a long, a long time to, 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 to climb that mountain. But once I got to the top, again, I was like, well, where's this next mountain? Where's this next thing? Where, where can I prove people wrong next? And, um, and it took me a while to find that. And while I was doing that, I was doing my PT course and I was um, helping people on the side and uh, uh, really getting into my nutrition. And that's just something I enjoyed to do and I was very passionate about it. And uh, I then I then realised, you know, I wanted to, um, without knowing it, I was building up a client base and a, and a business. And uh, at the time, I, I was working full time for um, uh, Toshiba and uh, I was their online marketing manager and uh, I was kind of doing this thing on the side and it got to the point where I was loving that so much I became so passionate about it and again I remember this conversation with a few friends around the table I was thinking wouldn't it be amazing to be able to coach people from around the world but not have one-to-one -one contact them like online coaching and obviously a few people well, many people have done that before um, I certainly wasn't reinventing the wheel uh, I was reinventing the wheel I wasn't doing anything new but I had this vision of being able to help and motivate people from around the world and I said wouldn't it be awesome if I had clients in India and Australia and uh, America and Brazil wouldn't that be amazing and again I remember my friend saying you know it's impossible there's no way you'd be able to do that just could the time zone difference you, you know and you know I don't think you'd be able to give motivation and guidance um, just through Skype and WhatsApp and email and social media alone. You know, you always need to have one-to-one -one contact. And uh, he said, I don't think it's possible. I don't think, I don't think anyone can achieve that. And I was like, boom, done. And then life changed, life changed your fitness form. And that was my next motivation. Um, that was my next mountain to climb. And I'm still climbing that mountain. Um, but the, the, um, the, the ending is very much in sight in terms of where I feel I want to conquer that, um, that, that space. And I actually now I've already got a few other mountains lined up. Um, I now know where um, I, I, I then realized I used that that last mistake, if you like, of not having that next mountain lined up as um, as a learning curve. So I now I've now got a few more mountains lined up once I achieve this mountain. So in terms of motivation, Joe, I would highly recommend um, trying finding a goal. Find that goal that you want to achieve. It, it has to be a big goal, okay? Um, and along the way, you set yourself small goals, okay? I, I believe this is a technique. It's called the ten to one ratio. You have a you have one big goal, and then you set yourself ten mini goals to lead you down the path to achieve that one big goal. So, for example, mine. Let's say if I knew that this ten to one ratio at the time, my fat loss would be right. I want to lose. I want to get to a point where I, I, I feel happy, I'm healthy, I've lost a, I've lost a large amount of weight, and uh, I look like this image in my mind. And I don't, want, I don't want to have a weight, I don't want to suggest a weight loss goal because that number is irrelevant. Um, you need to have kind of this, this image in your mind. 
you know roughly kind of how much it's going to take in terms of body weight but you know you don't want to focus that on because a body weight motivation source is not good at all and then what you want to do is you want to have little little goals on the way so at the time i would have gone right i, I knew i had a lot of weight to lose so at that time i would have gone right i want to lose one stone two stone three stone four stone five stone at that point you know i didn't know how much more i had to lose you kind of get a little bit blinded by just how fat you i, I, I was and uh uh, and then, and then you could go right. I want to do. I want to complete a little half marathon. You know, I want to. I want to be able to bench 100 kilos. I want to be able to, um, you know, do 100 sit-ups in a row or press-ups in a row without without stopping. Little goals like that, and then you train for them, which then leads you on to your bigger goal. So have it. Have have one big goal and set yourself 10 minute goals. Literally, get pen and paper and write them down. Um, stick them on the fridge so that every single day you see them. Put them in your phone. Put them on the background of your phone as a wallpaper. Um, make a photocopy and put it in your car. Make a photocopy and put it at the back of your or, of your door, so that every single day, consciously or subconsciously, you see those goals. And um, and then set calendar goals. Set times and go right by by June, June 2015. I want to be able to do 100 press ups. And you can even then set little 10 minute goals for that one and go right. You know, by May I need to be able to do 25. By the end of May I need to be able to do 50. By the end of, you know, whatever it may be. Um, and then that's going to be your motivation. Your motivation is your goal number one. And the 10 mini goals keep you motivated until you achieve that that one. However, don't don't not have another goal lined up. Have have another mountain to climb in the back of your mind and go right. One day I want to be able to do that, but I need to focus on this one first. One day, once I've got to the point where I want to be healthy, I've got this image in my mind. Once I achieve that, I then want to, I don't know, whatever it may get on a front cover, uh, do a photo shoot, uh, bungee jump, whatever it may be, have that next big goal lined up. Don't not have something lined up because you'll go into this stale position. And that's that stale position where you, you, you could revert to your old ways. And that's not what you want to do. I hope that's helped, Joe. A little bit of a mouthful there again. Um, uh, oh, consistency you mentioned. How do you remain consistent? So the 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 art to any goal is consistency. Um, fat loss, muscle building, performance, it's all about consistency. Now, they say if you do something repeated for 21 days, it becomes ingrained in your subconscious and therefore is no longer a chore, it becomes a habit. Um, it becomes something, part of your life, part of you, part of your lifestyle. So what you need to do is you need to be able to do something dead straight for 21 days without failing in order to rest assured that that's kind of now your way of life. An example of this will be meal, plan meal prepping. You know, if you're not very good at planning your meals, if you're not very good at staying consistent on your diet, if you're not very good at going to the gym when you're meant to, set a goal to do it dead to do it straight for 21 days and then by the end of that 21 days on average most people then become ingrained it's three weeks they become ingrained into this this way of living now and therefore it no it becomes it becomes second nature you don't even think about it you just do it it's like, it's like brushing your teeth it's like having a bath it's just like eating you know um at some point, our parents taught us to um, to brush our teeth, you know, and we wouldn't do it. We would forget, you know, it would take a while. But they persevered and they made us do it every morning and every evening. And it got to the point where it just becomes habit. You just do it. 
so that would be my um, that would be the consistency thing. You just have to keep doing, keep chugging along for 21 days, and uh, and then you're likely to be able to con keep that up consistently without 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 struggling too much. With a team of coaches to help you with any goal, fat loss, increased muscle, or performance related, we can help you achieve anything. DanielWheeler.co.uk uh, Darren Aldred, um, about how you got your qualifications, how and why you started your business. I think I just touched on that a little bit on the last question, buddy. Um, obviously, did my level three, I'm working on my level four at the moment to work with diabetes, uh, diabetics. Um, and uh, I've attended a, a number of nutritional um, seminars and, um, and weekends since um, a few for Leonie courses for example um, and, and that's kind of where I, I, I gain a lot of my uh, nutritional um, knowledge from and uh, looking at doing my uh, degree in psychology um, later this year actually maybe early next year but psychology is a big thing I'm fascinated by, and uh, certainly the psychology on our relationship with um, extrinsic forms of motivation, i.e., food. So um, I'm really interested in that. So I might, I might try and do that one uh, very soon as well. Uh, Mark Jackson, how are we doing for time? That's right. Uh, Mark Jackson, how once you've lost the weight, keeping it off for good, physically and mentally. Um, Oh, sorry, Daniel, just one of your questions. Let me go back a little bit. Uh, how and why you started your business? Oh, I did touch on that last one. Sorry, mate. Uh, Mark Jackson, how once you've lost the weight, keeping it off for good physically and mentally? Okay, so anyone who has lost a large amount of weight um, will be lying if they don't tell you this bit of information. Okay? You are going to gain weight after you lose it. This is fact. I don't know anyone who has lost a large amount of weight and kept it off for good. So you then need to become to terms with the fact that your body, the fact that you've lost a large amount, when I say a large amount of weight, I'm talking three stone and over, really. Two stone is a, is a large amount of weight, don't get me wrong, but two stone is kind of, uh, it, it's very achievable to lose two stone and keep that off, in my opinion. It's, it's not a vast amount of weight. You're not morbidly obese with two stone. Um, three stone and above, I, I would argue, you know, any, any, anything over, yeah, three stone and above, I would argue, is a large amount of weight, significant amount of weight to lose. Um, you, you would see a dramatic increase in your health and, uh, and body composition after losing three stone or more. And uh, I, I lost eight, my total. So my, my total was just over 50 kilos. Now, if I could graph my body weight fluctuations over the last five years you'd be looking at first two years was up and down but it was consistently down to losing just over 50 kilos and uh, so I think it was about 92 93 92 or 94 kilos for the shoot with men's fitness that was the the, 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 the smallest I ever got and if I look back at photos now and I actually look quite ill uh, but that was the smallest I ever got and bear in mind I'm six foot four okay I'm a big chap so that was very 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 small for me and then I then shot up to, I think it was just over 100 kilos, 102 I think it was. Um, I had the shoot in the summer, and then by the Christmas I was about 102. And then started dieting down for a, for a photo shoot. No, 108, sorry, it was 108. 
And then I started dieting down for photo shoot um, uh, the, the following year. And I got down to, I think, I think it was 98 kilos. And, uh, and I then, I'll try to remember my years now. I then went up to about, I think it was about 120 kilos. And uh, before I then went back down to another photo shoot where I, I clocked in at about 100 and, 104, I think. Now these, these are years, okay? These are year slots. Um, and then the latest one this year, um, off-season at the moment, um, was 100, 115 kilos, and um, which certainly is nowhere near as big as I've been before. And uh, looking to do a shoot later this year, and I'll probably get down to about, I don't know, 100, 108 maybe, 107, and, uh, and see where I go from there. So, um, my body weight has fluctuated massively. You can imagine going from 92 kilos up to 120. Now, 120, I was, you know, I was, I was porky. You know, I put on a bit of body weight, um, and uh, that's, you know, due to various reasons. Actually, that was due to a very significant health issue I had. Um, I had a hormone um, imbalance, and uh, it caused it caused a lot of weight gain. Something I haven't actually spoken about that much, um, and. Uh, and then once I fixed that, I was able to then come down and, and, and sort that out. So once you've lost a significant amount of weight, you have to come to terms with the fact that you are going to put on a bit more weight. You are going to get a little bit... Um, you are, your, your body weight is going to fluctuate due to many reasons. You, the one thing you have to take into account is once you've been fat, your ability to get fat again is extremely easy. Okay, You don't get rid of fat cells. All you do is you deplete them. You empty them. So Greg Plitt used to have a great analogy for this. Imagine your body is, a, is, is your bedroom, and in your bedroom all the walls are filled with drawers and cupboards. So when you're fat, all those cupboards are filled up with clothes. Um, and then when you lose weight, you empty those cupboards. Okay. However, the cupboards are still there. And they're kind of waiting, sitting there going, right, as soon as this, this guy or this girl puts on a little bit of body weight, body fat, I'm having that, I'm going to store it. And... Uh, one thing anyone will tell you, you know, is particularly water retention, you know, those fat cells are again used as water retention stores, uh, whole, uh, storage units. Um, you know, a wa water weight can just go up and down like a, like a yo-yo. It's, um, it, it's, it's quite significant. I mean, I can fluctuate as much as eight kilos in about three days due to water retention. It's, it's quite significant. And that's just because I've got these fat cells. They're waiting to be filled up with anything. Um, and the only way to get rid of them is lipo. You know, once you've got rid of the weight, you know, you can have a little bit of liposurgery and that will literally scrape the fat cells away from you uh, so they, they can't be filled up again. It's very difficult for your body to create a fat cell, um, but once it's created, it's there for life uh, unless you get it surgically removed. So, um, so once you've lost the weight, keeping it off for good. Um, keeping it off for good is consistency. It's keeping your motivation high. It's ensuring that your, uh, your nutrition is on point. But it's not a case of necessarily keeping it off for good. Obviously, you never want to go back to how, however big you were. I, I'm never going to go back to the, as fat as I was. You kind of got to be happy with the fact that, depending on your goals, you need to put on a bit of weight uh, in order to reach your next goal. Like my next goal is my goal now is building muscle. So um, you know, which means I need to be in a caloric surplus. I need to eat more calories than I actually need to ensure that you know I'm building muscle correctly. Um, Oh, sorry, efficiently, shall we say. 
and it's saturating my body of calories so my body's got everything it needs to keep repairing itself and there's there's a fine line of nailing that art in terms of doing so to build muscle but not doing so to gain much body weight and, uh, and you know depending on the type of person you are will depend on you know kind of how much how strict you want to be with that you know do you want to lead a normal lifestyle I say normal you know a, a good nutritional lifestyle um, where you had the, you know, the weekend you go out you have a meal whatever it may be or do you want to go for like six months of not eating and not going out you know and, and leading a very Tupperware life you know and that's that's not something I, I want to trade off um, I'm, a, I'm a social person I want to have time with friends and family and enjoy nice food because I, I like my food obviously <laughs> Uh, so um, you you kind of got to keep to terms with the fact that your body weight is going to fluctuate, but you need to be consistently motivated, consistently training, consistently um, eating, you know, 80-90% on point all the time. Now, there's no excuse not to do that, even myself, you know. Uh, if I take into account uh, six meals a day, seven times a week, you know, all of those 90 Five percent of those meals are on point. I'm meeting my caloric intake. Uh, however, you know, two or three of those meals will be meals which I'll enjoy and I'll go over my caloric intake, and I, I, I won't feel guilty. I won't worry about it. I'll just eat it, and that will have an effect on my body weight. But you have to come to terms with that's going to happen, um, and not worry about it. Hope that's answered that question, Mark. Uh, Sandra Robertson, something related to being. Uh, Something something related to being celiac, uh, as I was told recently that I am. I don't really know what to answer there. Something related to it. Um, don't eat bread. <laughs> Sorry, hon, you need to be a little bit more specific there. Uh, Confused about which diet is right for you? Let us take all the stress away and design you a fully bespoke, life-changing plan. All we do is change lives. DanielWheeler.co.uk Benji Whitehead, details on the leptin hormone. Uh, mate, that's a huge topic um, and something. Um, I'll do a whole blog on, on hormones another time. It's not a huge speciality of mine, and I, I, know, I know a lot about them. Um, I would highly recommend listening to Phil Lerney's podcasts. Um, he goes into a lot of details about hormones. Uh, if, you're into, if you're into that, then, um, then that's, the one you want, that's the guy to listen to. But I'll, I'll do something on that for you. Uh, Rob Dennis um, and then we've got um, one more question after this Rob Dennis what would you um, sorry what you should know about creatine I took it years ago but was put off when I read that it can lower your natural creatine levels what are the long term side effects these days and maybe discuss your own or other athletes experiences Right, mate. I don't know where you read that creatine can lower creatine. That's um, I've never heard of that. Uh, essentially, what creatine is? Creatine is found naturally in the human body. It's uh, it's it's stored in the cells. Um, and without going into too much detail, creatine is essentially um, uh, it's uh, it, it it determines how strong we can be. That's a good way to put it. Determines how strong we could be. So if you've got low levels of creatine, you will have a certain strength ability. If you have high levels of creatine, you'll be slightly stronger. Um, however, there are certain genetic reasons why someone may have slightly lower creatine levels than they have the ability to have. Um, and therefore, creatine supplementation will top up those levels and allow that person to be slightly stronger. 
train slightly harder, recover slightly better. Um, and uh, uh, and that's what creatine is used for, really. Now, creatine monohydrate is the only creatine you should take. Creatine monohydrate. Creatine monohydrate. Um, I really need to drum that in because there are so many creatines out there, and they don't. They're, they're, those are the ones without any scientific backings. Creatine monohydrate has vast, so so vast amounts of data out there. It's now beyond proof that this um, creatine monohydrate is the one to use. Um, now, creatine monohydrate, you have to do a little test with yourself because you don't, you won't know what your levels of creatine are um, unless you have a blood test, specifically testing creatine, and. Um, and therefore, you're not going to under, you're not going to know whether taking a creatine supplement is going to benefit you. Now, if I, for example, and I had this uh, proven to me um, three weeks ago, when I had a full blood work done, I had my creatine level in there. Uh, in fact, let me dig that up for you now, so I can tell you what it is. Um, bear with me while I look for my email. <laughs> this is thrilling um, uh, podcasting, isn't it? Um, Medichex, there we go. Um, uh, oh, I can't find it. That's really annoying. Um, I'll have to make up top of my head, but essentially, what it what what it is, I got my blood test back. It told me what my creatine output was. Um, but let's say, for example, you you have a scale of a hundred. Someone may be fifty uh, percent. Creatine saturated in their muscles, and therefore having a creatine supplement uh, will top them up to 100, and therefore they will see significant increases in performance. Now, if someone is already topped up to say 90%, as as am I, um, therefore taking a creatine supplement, you would see very little, if any, benefits. As I did, I took creatine for about 12 weeks, about three years ago, and I saw no benefit to taking it, and therefore it was a waste of money. And uh, I, I. I, at the time, I, I obviously knew this information. I just thought, right, okay, well, I, I'm saturated naturally anyway. I don't need this, so I'm going to save my money. I see a lot of guys; they keep using it, keep using it. And I asked them, you know, are you seeing any benefit? And they said, not really. It's just everyone says take it. I thought, right, okay, well, you don't need it. Um, drop it and see if you lose any performance. And again, if you think you need it, take it. If you see no difference, drop it. Creatine is very cheap. Um, creatine monohydrate is very cheap. Um, so it's very easy to test, and it will take about you know two weeks to kick in maybe before you see any you know decent levels. Um, but again, once those cells are saturated with creatine, uh, they can't become any more saturated. You know, once it's once you've packed enough creatine in there, it can't hold, hold any hold any more. Then you'll stop seeing those benefits. I hope that's helped, mate. So my my answer to you would be try, take it, try it. If you see a performance and increase an increase in performance, then then keep it in. If you don't, get rid of it. Hope that's helped. Um, br 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 Warren Rambo Day. Last question. How do you decide what to snack on when cravings kick in? Good, good question. So there's two things here we need to analyse. One of which is, are we craving physically or are we craving emotionally? Um, and craving physically 
is based on traditionally based on uh, blood sugar levels so if you have a blood sugar rise and then you'll experience a drop and then your body will go give me some carbohydrates because I need some more blood sugar it's too low at the moment and uh, and that's when your body will tell you uh, literally you'll get cravings for specifically carbohydrates and you'll want to eat something sweet um, now if we get to that point then we have to analyze kind of what is in our, what was in our diet that caused a physical craving um, you know was it uh, post-workout shake did we have too much sugar in there uh, was it uh, a dessert that we had obviously sugar uh, or whatever it may be and uh, that's how we can detect a physical craving and that's how we can reduce them so if you're going to eat something sweet which doesn't have huge amounts of fat in it because fat helps lower the the um, uh, sort of fat helps regulate the, the whole blood sugar uh, leptin release and, uh, and and therefore reduces the spike if you like um, then if you eat something sweet you then have to be prepared in the fact that you know you're likely to get a craving shortly after um, and then you either have to use willpower to stop it or you have to satisfy it and uh, that that's why I believe traditionally you know we put desserts back to the back end of the day after dinner because um, by the time we've eaten dessert a couple of hours later we're usually in bed and therefore you know you know, the cravings kind of subside because we're, we're asleep. However, if it's an emotional reaction uh, due to stress, due to whatever it may be, you know, an emotional issue which you're going through, which is a stress, then you have to analyse why you're, you're why you're using food as a coping mechanism, and look for another coping mechanism, or speak to a professional, uh, depending on how extreme it is. A lot of people use food as a coping mechanism uh, due to emotional issues, uh, and that's when you know weight issues and obesity can come into account. Um, so we have to analyse that. We have to find out what's causing our stress. Why are we turning to food to fill that void, metaphorically, and uh, how we can fix that? Hope that's helped, buddy. Um, and then last, really last question, but there's not there's no answer to it. Lydia asked. Um, uh, some advice on if you've got a large amount of weight to lose uh, and again Lily, I did that uh, answer that in the last podcast episode 6 so give it, give that a listen to and that's about it guys I hope that's helped hope you enjoyed it and um, we'll um, we'll discuss more next time peace out welcome to the life changing fitness podcast all we do is change lives